Folks, welcome into a brand new episode of Train Wreck Fantasy Football. As always, Wake here with Meerkat and Jordan Rosas riding the tricycle instead of the quadra bicycle, whatever a bike with four wheels is. I think that would be a car. Instead of a driving a car, we're going to be doing a tricycle today. Man, great start. As you can tell, I've had a few in me already. O'clock. That's a great natural segue into thanking our sponsors outlet liquor, the place to buy a case, George Urban Boulevard in Depew, whether it's wine spirits, seltzers, QB1s, Loganberry seltzers, they got it all. They really do. So make sure that when it comes time for preseason football, you know, regular season action, postseason, next season, what? You're always thinking of outlet liquor as the place to go for your alcohol needs, the place to buy a case. What's your outlet? This show is ours, as always. I say that on the cap. I'm going to say it here too. Talking ADP risers and fallers. This is a fun topic, I'd say, because, you know, if, if Isaac Newton taught us everything, it's that every action has an equal and opposite reaction. And I think in the case of mm-hmm. risers and fallers uh, for fantasy football, it's the same because if someone's rising, obviously some people have to fall uh, to make uh, to make it back to their place where they started. Someone we've been talking about a lot lately rising or falling, I'm sorry, Saquon Barkley. Obviously, news coming out that he's coming off the PUP, but... We kind of knew about this a little bit last week before all this news broke this week. And I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot to begin the show. I'm going to let someone else do some talking. Dr. Kyle Trimble from Banged Up Bills joined us on here last week to talk about, you know, just injuries in the fantasy community. And here's what he had to say about Saquon Barkley. Uh, so we'll just give a listen to that real quick. Also, Saquon Barkley, another first rounder that got hurt last year, maybe a little slower to come back from his injury. I know, you know, obviously a different type of injury. He did have an ACL tear, if I remember correctly, last year. Have you heard anything different on him? Is he someone that maybe because of his injury status, you should maybe avoid picking in the first round? Well, Barkley suffered the ACL, MCL, and meniscus injury. It's called a terrible triad, unhappy triad, whatever you want to call it. It's a (laughs) triangle I've heard, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) it's a number of different – it just – there's common structure seen after tearing ACL. So when you have the MCL, ACL meniscus, it turns into a pretty complex ACL injury as a whole instead of just your isolated ACL tear. Mm-hmm. So we see him coming back. We see he's putting the work in. He's, he'll be close to a year when he returns because I believe he suffered the injury in week two, correct? I think you're right, yeah. yeah. He, he so, and McCaffrey went out the same week last yes. year. That's correct. Yeah, yeah that, that was a bloodbath in fantasy there. Mm-hmm. So. Um, running backs are traditionally slower to come back. Uh, the fact that he had the complex tear slows him down a little bit. Round one, I, I'd have a tough time. I, if yeah. you're, I'd say it depends on where you're at drafting wise. If you're a snake draft, I could consider it like if you're back around one, maybe catching them at the back around one, uh, early round two, but I wouldn't go be putting everything in on Saquon Barkley because I think he's going to disappoint you early on because I think he's going to start real slow. I just don't think you're going to see that fluidity that made him the number two overall pick coming out of uh, Penn State. So, And so that's what we got from Dr. Kyle Trimble, banged up bills. He's going to be joining the cap for uh, pregame shows this year to give us some injury analysis. So that's really great. Excited to have him along for the ride here. But Meerkat, I'll shut up now. Uh, I wasn't touching Saquon Barkley anyways, personally. Hearing it from him and in the fantasy football community, what's the earliest you would think about taking the guy? Mid-second round, I mean, you see him. He's activated off the PUP, uh, making a return to camp, and he says he's hopeful for a week one return. That Giants offense is going to need him in that backfield this year. They're going to need him as soon as possible, and 
I can maybe see him coming back week one. I don't think they want to rush it. I mean, he's such a, you know, a star, a young star in that offense. When an injury like that, you don't want to rush. But usually a guy who'd probably be the second, third, fourth running back off the board without this injury this season is mm-hmm. now falling into like the mid-second round, early second round. If I see Saquon mid-late second round, I'm going to take the flyer all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And, and, you know, if, if anybody watching has a on Saquon Barkley, any players we're talking about, feel free to chime in. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts on the matter too. Uh, Jordan, you know, obviously Devontae Booker isn't someone that you really worry about them bringing him in as competition for Saquon Barkley, not someone you're worried about taking snaps away. But in terms of injury, you know, them bringing in Booker, bringing in Alfred Morris, bringing in more bodies in the running back room. One, does that concern you? And two, uh, what's the earliest, same question to Meerkat, what's the earliest you would take Saquon in a draft this year? Uh, I actually agree with Meerkat. I think he he hit the nail on the head there. Um, I actually put him <laughs> pretty much. I put him in the same category with Najee Harris right now, a guy with a ton of upside but a huge huge yeah. risk. So yeah. no, that's if, I can, if I can get him, if I can get him mid second round, I'll take the flyer because you know mm-hmm. you figure out of your top five picks, one of them is probably going to be a dud. Um, but For I sure. just you look at who else is going to be around at that time, and the upside of Saquon is just so much higher than anybody else in that range. But of course you do have that risk. So you want to make sure that you get a, a really solid player in round one. And then if you're the guy that takes Saquon Barkley, you probably want to get some safer picks uh, to round out your top five. Um, so I would not take Saquon and Najee Harris. I think that's, that's playing with fire. Um, yeah, no, that's a great point is understanding the risk built into these guys and knowing how like, you know, you can't construct the same roster or draft everybody um, you know, with the same kinds of risk, Rob Ryan saying that he had a friend take him seventh overall last night, really too expensive for me. Um, we'll talk about some running backs that maybe you want to take over him potentially, uh, just as throwing it out there. Meerkat, would you take Barkley or Austin Eckler? Barkley. Jordan? That's a tough one. Um, I think I'd take Eckler. I would also go Eckler. I'm very high on him this year. Barkley or uh, Zeke, Meerkat? Zeke. Mm-hmm. Jordan? Oh, absolutely, Zeke. 100%. Happy we're on the same page there. How about Barkley or Aaron Jones, Meerkat? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I think they mm-hmm. end the year kind of around the same spot as long as Saquon is back to himself by like week three or four. Yeah. But. I like AJ Dillon this year. I love Aaron Jones. Don't get me wrong. That that's that's pretty much a push for me. Okay. I, I think I'm I think I'm leaning Saquon because of upside. Okay, Jordan. Yeah, I think at that point they're very comparable to me in terms of overall value. It really depends who I got first. Like, let's say I had Definitely. a Christian McCaffrey or even a Dalvin Cook, somebody that there's some injury risk there. I would go with um, Aaron Jones. Uh-huh. But if I got somebody safer if i got a jonathan taylor a nick chubb then i'm like okay this person's probably i can probably rely on them they just the upside might not be there then i would take saquon all right and maybe last one here and it's not really running back so it's not apples to apples but saquon barkley or travis kelsey meerkat travis kelsey just such a safer pick Mm -hmm. much more value at the position coming into this season that's a tough one for me because i'm not looking to take a tight on that high but yeah i'd probably go in there Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jordan, I'm with Meerkat. Are you running it out in agreement here? Yeah, I mean, as long as I got a running back in round one, 
if I'm the dude that took, yes. you know, Stefan Diggs round one, I don't really want to go into round three without a running back. But as long as I have a running back, I feel good about if Travis Kelsey's sitting there in the second round, I would absolutely take him just because he's just so much better than the rest of the field at tight end. You know, he's almost a cheat code. Yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm happy that we ended that that little segment in agreement because it's very it's not often that we have everybody on the show agreeing with each other. So it's good to know that we can get along. Uh, I'll, I'll play that game where I bring up guys around like ADPs and everything as we go here because I think it's just a fun exercise because there are actual questions that people might be, you know, falling into themselves as they go through drafts. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll all, definitely, you know, I know from my experience – and how the mock drafts I'm doing now, talking with you guys has actually made me a little bit more prepared for this year. So say something nice about my co-hosts. There we go. I did it. <laughs> All right, we'll move into uh, in the meat and potatoes of the episode here. ADP risers and fallers. Kind of already got one out of the way with Saquon Barkley. Uh, and Meerkat, I'll let you kick this off. Who is, you can pick it, whether you want to go riser or faller. Who's someone you wanted to bring up today? I'm going to get my risers out of the way because I know we're picking like two or whatever per category, but I told you beforehand, I'm like, I just got to talk about the green Bay offense post Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. coming back to training camp. Um, yep. The whole, there's so much movement in terms of ADP so far uh, after Rodgers announces news, like drastic movement among the skill position players there. And you look at a guy like Devonte Adams, who, Hasn't had the biggest amount of movement, but when fantasy season started back in late June there, his ADP was as high as six. He was being taken like the wide receiver one he finished last year as, and his points per game were crazy. If he had played, you know, the full schedule, he would have had insane fantasy numbers. Now with Rodgers back after, you know, he dropped to around an ADP at 12 with all the question marks where people were saying Rodgers was going to retire. Now with yeah. him back, he's back tied with Tyreek Hill right now. Actually, according to Fantasy Pros, they both have an average ADP of 9.7. So now people are torn where Adams opened up as the top guy. Mm-hmm. Tyreek overtook him for a bit. And now Adams is making a comeback there. So there's a lot going on with uh, you know, Devontae Adams. Is he the wide receiver one now with Aaron Rodgers back? I think far and away yes oh my goodness yes uh, and then you look at you look at randall cobb a guy who has been fantasy relevant since like 2014 uh yeah really right. fantasy relevant comes back to green bay change of scenery getting out of that hell in houston and people just look like rogers loves cobb rogers builds relationships with these receivers you saw his comments on losing kumaro now people are expecting cobb which Insane line movement. On July 29th, Randall Cobb had an ADP of 316. Now today, <laughs> it's a 243. Big line wow. movement there. People are buying into the Randall Cobb uh, slot hype there with Aaron Rodgers. Then you go down the list. Al Lazard is up to 187 ADP after being as low as 230. Marquise Valdez-Scantling, who Randall Cobb is still above in current ADP, which I love, uh, went from 299 <laughs> to 244. Tanya, dipped after people were high on him and then they started realizing uh and no rogers dipped to 151 now up to 141 i'm still fate or 114 i'm still fading him but you see the impact aaron Rodgers coming back fantasy wise has had on this green bay offense it's insane the only follower we've seen is amari rogers who is my one of my biggest sleepers heading into the fantasy season receiver he he started with an adp of 221 people liked him Uh, lafleur was raving about how he expects him to have a big role in this offense he's looked good in camp so far and now after the randall cobb trade he's dropped the 322 over 100 spots in a week in terms of adp that's insane i'm still on him but you know only player in that offense that is currently falling in fantasy and i think that's probably the best value you're gonna get 
almost as good of a value as me realizing that one of the chapsticks I lost is actually just under my bed right there. So, 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 you know, now it's taunting you. Now it's taunting me, but at least I know where it is. Uh, and just like Randall Cobb's going to be taunting fantasy owners this year, to be completely honest. Like, like I think personally, like on the uh, first, okay. First point, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> Second of all, I think that the Randall Cobb, I think there's a lot of overreaction this time of year. Mm -hmm. Like it's very easy to overreact and get hyped up on certain players and everything. But like, let's not forget, like he was in Houston. He had a good quarterback. He still didn't do anything. He was in Dallas. He didn't do anything. Like, I just don't know if we're going to see that resurgence. I feel like them bringing in Randall Cobb is more of a, okay, Aaron, you said you wanted him here. Bring him here. Mm -hmm. Worst case, Ontario is like he has a positive impact on the offense, like from a from a team mindset standpoint, and he doesn't produce on the field, which is what I think is most likely. Yeah. Um, Jordan, how do you break down how uh, the Green Bay Packers offense, just the, the shift in value since confirming that Aaron Rodgers is going to be here? So I remember a while back, I think it's when we were talking about quarterbacks, um, everybody was down on Aaron Rodgers, and I was kind of like, I'll take him as a sleeper. Yeah. And um, I'll be honest, I haven't really shifted all that much. I feel like everybody else has gotten way much higher on the, the Green Bay offense than me. Because um, mm -hmm. I do think that, obviously, obviously, if Aaron Rodgers plays, that's good news for pretty much everybody. But when we're looking at last year's numbers, it's important to remember that he was having an amazing season. I think he's still a great quarterback, but I do expect some regression to the mean. Mm -hmm. And so I don't necessarily see Devonta Adams as far and above the wide receiver one. He could absolutely do it. I don't think that he's necessarily that far ahead of Tyreek Hill. I think if you get either one of those guys, you know, you should be feeling pretty good. Sure. Um, but I would caution everybody, like everybody in the Green Bay offense is getting a bump. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean? Like Randall Cobb, I'm not really all that sold on it. I think it, it was more of a move to sort of shut up Aaron Rodgers. Oh, 100%. I think, I think yeah, that yeah. that was kind of like a like a petty thing by him of like, obviously Cobb's not going to cost much because he's not really worth much at this point in his career. But I think that was Aaron Rodgers just trying to like, get his guy. I don't know, get, get a little bit of like, assert a little bit of dominance over the front mm -hmm. office. Like, yeah, you're going to get the guy I tell you to get. Mm -hmm. And I think the front office was like, all right, fine. We'll get you Randall Cobb. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fading Randall I don't, Cobb. I'm fading MVS this year. Yeah, yeah I think it's really interesting, too, because recently in the Green Bay offense, there hasn't been a ton of guys that have produced. Like that wide receiver two spot for a while it's has been pretty open. much been whoever whoever happens to be playing there plays really well. Exactly. Um, I, remember I think it's going to end up being Lazard, though, this year. I don't know. See, because the thing that worries me with Lazard is that I don't think he's all that great of a receiver. It's just the position. And so now that you bring in Cobb, you've mm -hmm. got Rodgers, Marcus Valdez-Stantling is there. I don't think Lazard's hold on that position is all that strong. And if he loses that spot, I think his value is just gone. I mean, I remember it was, it was like five years ago when Jarrett Boykin was like, putting up really good numbers in Green Bay. Jared and then he, came, oh then he came to Buffalo and he didn't even make, like, I don't even think he made the practice squad. Something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, that's the, mm -hmm. that's what you have to watch out with Green Bay receivers is like, yeah, you got the top guy. Obviously like Jordy Nelson was great for a long time. Um, Devonte Adams is fantastic. But that number two role, I really think is a product of Rogers. And now that you've got Cobb in the mix, I'm very cautious on everybody behind Adams. Yeah, and that's why we're talking ADP risers, not value risers. So mm -hmm. 
saying the guys that are going to be rising and like, you know, if they go over a certain point, maybe don't take them, understand how the value of these players is changing based on where they're going. Um, and that kind of leads into who I wanted to bring up first. I love rookies in fantasy. Rookies in fantasy are exciting. They're unknown. They're extremely risky. And when they work out, they really work out. And Javante Williams is a guy that I've been really, really high on. And Melvin Gordon's a guy that I'm not really high on. And as of lately, there's been a lot of stuff coming out of Broncos camp. Pat Shermer has been absolutely raving about Javante Williams. A real quote from him goes, he's been terrific. His running ability is obvious. But the things that we see are his instincts as a football player. Some people just get it. We've been around people that just don't quite get it, and they wake up every morning and start over. Javante gets it, and he shows up, and it shows up in his pass protection and the way he's able to get lined up. His awareness has a really bright future. Now, if this was the Buffalo running backs and they were having a great camp, they would say that. If they weren't having a great camp, we know that McDermott would say they have a long road ahead of them. That's every training camp. That's every coaching staff. You know, they're not going to publicly endorse a player like this unless there's something real going on behind the scenes. So Javante Williams should be getting this rise in ADP, but it's kind of already started. And that's what concerns me is that ECR experts consensus ranking has him at RB 31, but he's already ADP RB 24. And I just don't think that I feel like we're already drafting him in his ceiling. And after we get to see him preseason action, it's just going to keep going up and we're going to see him being drafted among guys who are clear cut RB ones on their teams. And that's just not where he belongs because Melvin Gordon, even with Philip Lindsay there last year, yes, Philip Lindsay was, how do I say this politely? Terrible. But like, you know, Melvin Gordon, he was good enough to, you know, basically, you know, okay, not good enough. He kept fumbling the ball. He has a really bad fumble issues now and the injury issues are behind him. But every time Philip Lindsay came in, when, Gordon's leash shrunk. Philip Lindsay just being terrible made the leash just grow. It was like a retractable leash. It wasn't like, you know, it, it was just you know, Melvin Gordon didn't have anyone competing with him. Now he does. So I love the, I loved Javante Williams value when he was going at like, you know, 28, maybe closer to the thirties. But now, especially when he's not going to get the lion's share of the work come week one, I just am definitely not going to have as many shares of him as I thought I would. And I might actually have more Melvin Gordon shares than I thought I would come the beginning of the season because RB24 is a little too rich for me. I mean, he's going ahead of Mike Davis. Would you guys take Mike Davis or Javante Williams? I'd go Mike Davis. I See, that late, I mean, I'm probably – Davis is safer. It depends on how I'm going to be feeling that day because they're kind of close for me because I think Williams might have a higher ceiling. I think people are a little too high on Davis, but that's a different conversation. He's about to – he soon could surpass Chris – Carson, would you take Javante Williams or Chris Carson? Chris Carson. Chris Carson. Yeah. So, so I just, he's around like Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, Miles Gaskin. It's a muddy area of running backs. I just don't think he belongs there yet. So, um, definitely keep an eye on how high he gets. Don't like it one bit. Don't like it one bit. It stinks. <laughs> yeah. I think most, a bunch of the guys you mentioned there have at least had a season where they've, Exactly. Kind of proven that they that at least that potential is there. It's justified. It's doable. Whether or not they actually reach that level or not is another story, you know. But James Robinson had a great year last year. Obviously, Travis Etienne is going to cut into those touches. Um, Kareem Hunt is kind of second fiddle in Cleveland, but we saw him in Kansas City. What he could do when he's a lead guy, and we just we haven't seen Javante Williams in a lead role. So I mean, the ceiling theoretically is. 
RB1, you know? <laughs> but uh, the floor is much lower. So, I mean, it really, to me, just depends who you have. I think if you've gotten safer picks, I think Chris Carson's a safe pick with limited upside. Yeah. Um, so if you got a couple of those guys early on, I'd probably lean towards Javante Williams. Let me get a, you know, let me get it. Let me, let me take a shot on somebody. Um, but, you know, if I got Saquon Barkley, if I've got, you know, somebody else with question marks, then I might lean towards Melvin Gordon where like, okay, I'd rather at least have somebody that I can plug in as a flex, maybe RB2, not going to win me leagues, but it's yeah, impactful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jordan, while you're at it here, give us your, one of your risers for, uh, for ADP right now. So I, I didn't bring this up when we were in our um, meeting first, but I wanted to talk about Robert Woods is actually rising for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, okay. go for it. For a while, I just, I've always loved him ever since he played in Buffalo. Loved the intensity he played with, being a guy that small and that good at blocking, just so much fun to watch. Um, but he's really done a lot of great things uh, with the Rams, and especially with the injury to Cam Akers, I think that Robert Woods can be in the fold to get some more – carries like he was he would get you know one to three carries a game on a jet sweep here and there mm-hmm. i think if they're looking for people to put you know to run the football i think he i think he gets some more carries and obviously matt stafford were expecting more passing situations so i think that cooper cup is being slept on a lot but i really like the the potential for robert woods to go from being sort of the quintessential wide receiver two to really upper tier uh wide receiver two yeah, I would like to see, you know, a lot of this is based on preseason and what we see in the preseason. And, and and if we do see Robert Woods maybe get like a scripted run, a scripted like Isaiah McKenzie type of play, like he's done those in L.A. before. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we see him get some some kind of work like that, definitely could see the ADP go up a little bit. And I'm surprised that him and Cooper Cup aren't higher than they are already with Matthew Stafford in town. Um, but Amir what are your thoughts on Robert Woods and his potential this year? Oh, I think Robert Woods has his, you know, highest ceiling ever coming into a season with Matt Stafford. He's a great receiver. He does it all on the field. He could be an outside guy, an inside guy. He can block for you. He could run like Jordan brought up, and he's been busy at camp so far. Him and Stafford already building a bit of a rapport. I love Robert Woods this year. I like him more than uh, Cooper Cup. So, you know, I think all those L.A. receivers should be bumped up a little bit. You know, some guys like – Van Jefferson might pop out at you this year, but yeah, I'm yeah. All Robert Woods. It's weird to see, you know, it's fun seeing when the experts, and this is one tool the fantasy pros has that's really interesting, is you can see the difference between what experts think about a player and what the general public thinks. And they have Robert Woods at uh, ECR 40, so the 40th overall player in fantasy. He's being drafted around 50 right now. So, so the smart people who do fantasy are a little more keen on Robert Woods than the general public. So that's definitely mm-hmm. something you should take note of. I think that's a good guy uh, for Jordan to bring up right here. Uh, Meerkat, back to you. I know, you know, the Packers as a whole were your risers and followers. We're kind of doing a weird order today. We're not really going in any yeah, other I just saying my risers was the well, entire Packers. I mean, I gave one riser and a faller at the same time, so I didn't help. So uh, give us give us one of your followers, Meerkat. <laughs> uh, I'll give you guys a follower. I know this is a super popular one. I'm not really going out on a limb here, but I'm avoiding James Conner this year with his mm-hmm. ADP. You see it falling. 
last year. He finished his RB25, but crazy touchdown uh, dependent. And no big surprise, he didn't start more than 13 games in a season again. What? No uh, and, way. So, you know, he ha- started out with an ADP of around 70. People are like, oh, big name. He had one good year in 2018. He's in a new air, a new spot now with Arizona. Who do they have? Who's Chase Edmonds? And so he started out around 70. Down to 90 now, falling pretty quickly because what do you know? He already has a camp injury, and Chase Edmonds <laughs> is shining in camp. They, they can't get enough of Chase Edmonds down there, and what he is with him out, not playing. Edmonds is getting all those uh, touches right now in camp. He's going to get those, you know, if he even sees the preseason. I think he's the running back one heading into the year, regardless of what Connor's done in the past, which other than 2018 where he had 71 targets, and so it gave him almost 500 receiving yards, but that's not great production on that amount of targets. Catch rate wasn't there. He was touchdown reliant like he is every year. I don't think that's going to be so much the case this year. I'm fading the hell out of James Connor, and he's falling with the ADP, so – Yep. No, I am right there with you. And uh, actually, another I'm doing another running back tandem for Riser and Faller, and I'm doing Chase Edmonds as an ADP riser and James Conner as a Faller. I think it's one of the most obvious situations in the NFL that is not getting the most attention. Uh, you know, James Conner, one of the uh, reporter down in Arizona was talking to him the other day, and he basically implied that he was under the impression that he's the lead back in this offense. And if that's coming from the guy who thinks he's the lead back in the offense, like that's not that's not reporters just saying this and implying it. Like it's word for word what he said. He said his concerns this offseason were putting on more weight because he's taking on a bigger workload and improving his receiving ability, which he was already a great receiving running back in his own. So, you know, just after hearing that, I'm really excited to see how they use him in the preseason. I think that we're going to come to find out that, you know, Chase Edmonds is probably going to be the guy that they have when they're leading, when they're in close games, and when it's, you know, when and when they're behind. And that'll probably be like a 60-40-ish kind of split, whereas if they're ahead by a lot, James Conner gets more of the workload. I feel like it's more of a game situational timeshare than just a general 60-40, 70-30, 65-35 makeup up a ratio i don't care uh <laughs> i think i just i'm very excited to see how they use him and kingsbury he's been saying that Edmonds has looked like a workhorse running back and that's not something that anyone thought that we would hear based on how small he was but like i said he's putting on weight i think his adp is going to skyrocket he's going around rb uh 29 right now james connor around rb 38 i would take chase Edmonds around rb 26 i think i'd be willing to do that especially half ppr full point ppr mm-hmm. maybe not standard but i'm taking chase uh, Edmonds over james connor it's easy easy like, not yeah. even not even a question yeah like, chase Edmonds or javante williams chase Edmonds. yeah jordan chase Edmonds or javante williams i think chase Edmonds. um Lower i'm not i'm not super floor. high on either of them i want to see a little bit more out of them i think chase edmonds um i don't want to make too much out of nothing because you know he had a year to sort of prove himself last year and yeah he looked good in spurts but he didn't i wouldn't say he looked like a workhorse back um it's still early in the preseason yeah but you know i do think that james connor is definitely a dangerous trap for a lot of casual fantasy players because he is somebody that you know you you have to recognize you're not drafting james connor from three years ago I wouldn't say necessarily stay away from him. I think there is value to him, um, but he's not a he's not an RB two with RB one upside anymore. He's not that guy. No, definitely. Whereas Chase Edmonds, 
yeah, whereas Chase Edmonds is definitely trending towards that category. Um, the ceiling is very high. And, you know, I mean, they, they had Kenyon Drake last year who was supposed to be the lead. So I can understand where maybe Chase Edmonds wasn't, you know, the, the season script wasn't for him to be the lead back, even sure. if they were impressed and saw a lot of stuff they liked. Now they have the opportunity to um, design the offense more with him in mind. So it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I would say don't I – would, I would caution don't reach too much on him, but yeah. definitely pay attention to him rising because if, if we're seeing that separation between these two already, it's still early in the preseason and that could turn into um, a workhorse back situation rather than just like a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, 1A, yeah. 1B type of thing which is what I was kind of expecting heading into the season. Um, but Chase Edmonds is definitely got to watch. Yeah, he's he's def- he's actually fallen in ADP since the beginning of the offseason here. Uh, Fantasy Pros tracks it back to about early June, and he's fallen only by five spots. So it's nothing nothing really to shake your head at, like, or nothing to shake your head at. Yeah, don't shake your head at it because it doesn't matter. Right, wait, no, shake your head at it because it doesn't matter. Well, it is interesting, though, to think Yeah, I have to figure falling. out how analogies work. I'm sorry. <laughs> it, it is interesting to think of him falling, though, as a running back when yeah. we've had some injuries to guys. Like, obviously, Saquon Barkley's fallen a little bit. Not that – I mean, I would take Barkley over Edmonds. But people um, might be willing to take more running backs early because of the volatility. Right. You know, yeah. so it's, it's interesting to see how little things at the top like Saquon Barkley can – really have ramifications rounds after. Yeah, for sure. It's, that's definitely an interesting point. Good point, Jordan. Uh, I'll let you keep going since you said something smart. Let's uh, <laughs> let's give us another riser here uh, or a faller. Take your pick. Who do you want to talk about? Um, I'm trying to think of the way to phrase this. I think the best way to say it is a riser is any defense playing against the Jets. Um, I just <laughs> – I think that offense is in for a world of trouble. I still like – Tevin Coleman, I like Michael Carter as fantasy players, but I have yet to see a report out of Jets training camp saying pretty much anything good about Zach Wilson. Um, I know he's a rookie. I know that there's been some drama, but it's like, you know, I, there he didn't show up to training camp on time, and then there's this stuff where he wasn't, um, you know, didn't, didn't have a feel for driving the – the highways in New Jersey or whatnot. And you know, a lot of people can brush that off as a, yeah. oh, you know, it's funny. I know Brother Bill on Twitter is, he's got a whole segment. <laughs> he's stuck in traffic. Yeah. But, you know, remember that this is a young guy who's just coming out of college. He's coming from Utah to New York City. That is a huge culture shock. And if he's not settled, if mentally, emotionally, he's feeling stressed, far from family, these are all things that can affect his style of play. And when you're in a big city, you've got cameras on you. If he can't play well, they don't really have a solid uh, QB2 behind him. And I know there's a lot of Jets uh, wide receivers that have been sort of that breakout or bust uh, season for them. You know, you look at Denzel Mims. You look at um, Corey Davis. You know what I mean? Like a lot of these guys that this was supposed to be a year where they either – we see what they're going to be for the rest of their career. Either they make it, they show up this year, or they're going to be labeled as busts. And I just, I don't see this offense producing. I think if you're streaming defenses, anytime you can get somebody against the Jets, I think it's going to be great this year. 
Yeah, they have the most wide receiver twos in the entire NFL. Between like Corey Davis, Keelan Cole, Denzel Mims, everybody on there. Who no, Rashad Perriman's on the Lions now. But but you get my point. Yeah, their their earliest wide receiver is Corey Davis in terms of ADP, and he's for fifty one. Um, and based on all the reports out of training camp, like Zach Wilson has just not looked good once. Um, and you know you can see slowly but surely these these ADPs of these wide receivers starting to slip a little bit. So you, you could find a value there just because they're going to be losing a lot of games and they might have to throw a shit ton. Um, but from a talent and from a upside perspective, it's definitely worrisome. Meerkat, uh, Jets wide receivers, have any of them interest you? Do you think if any of them fall far enough, they could interest you? Uh, bias aside against how much we hate the Jets, I think Denzel Mims is actually a really good receiver. If, oh, I do too. You know, Zach Wilson's even competent this year. doesn't matter if he's throwing a lot of picks, which I do have him to lead the NFL in interceptions this year. But if he's even competent, he's going to be getting the ball out to Davis and Mims at least a little bit. They have talent in that receiver room. Am I going to be targeting anyone, though? No, I'm not. Uh, if someone falls in my lap into a favorable spot, if it's a Mims or a Davis, I'll take a look for sure. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they deserve to be falling. All the reports about Wilson are just not great, and he shouldn't be inspiring a lot of faith. The other thing I wanted to bring up with that is there's so many wide – like you said, they got the most wide receiver twos in the league. Um, but I think it's going to be tough for anybody to get separation. And even when you finally do get some separation, yeah. six games a year, you got Stefan Gilmore – Trey White, Xavier Howard just re-signed with Miami. Yep, you know what I mean? Same. So even if you do have a wide receiver that sort of establishes himself as the one. That's a third six, of the year. Yeah. You know, a third of the year, they're probably going to be shut down. There's nobody on that. There's, they don't have any wide receivers that are better than those three corners. You know what I mean? And I just – especially if, if Zach Wilson's throwing picks. Yeah, they might be throwing it more, but every interception is the end of a drive. Yes. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So so I can – in deep, deep PPR leagues, I could – receivers as they fall into your lap in the late rounds but man at adp at their actual adp i would not at all that's reaching that's reaching for them in my opinion um, even if even if the patriots are you know a subpar team again bill belichick yeah. has always been amazing against rookie quarterbacks oh, i just yeah. i think the jets are in for a long year and i just Yep. Keep sa- yep. No. Keep saying bad things about the Jets. Keep saying <laughs> bad things about the Jets. <laughs> I like Michael Carter. I like Tevin Coleman. I think the dump Those off the screen passes are, are going to be the bread and butter of that offense because yeah. I just don't see anything else working for them. Meerkat, I know you have one more guy you want to bring up that bring up. Wow. I feel like Zach Wilson. Um, I know you have someone to bring up a little disappoint this year too. So who else do you have falling in ADP and why? Uh, Miles Sanders, RB17 with an ADP of 33 right now. I mean, the lowest he's been is 36, and the highest he's been is 30 so far this season. So people are pretty set pat on what they think of Miles Sanders, and they think yeah. pretty highly of him. You know, that's a that's a third-round pick right there. So uh, am I high on him like that, or do I think he performs to that? No, I think he's going to start falling with reports out of camp now coming that Kenneth Gainwell, the rookie they took in the fifth round, is looking mm-hmm. really good. They still have Boston Scott, who looked decent last year, and they signed Carrion Johnson, who I know isn't great, but they, that signed was, him when, the, when they, they signed gave him enough him, money for it to matter. Yeah, that felt like the prototypical Eagles signing. I, f- I mm-hmm. feel like them and 
the the uh, the Lions just recycle running backs between each other. It's fun. Yeah, and I don't think it's a running back by committee necessarily. I think Sanders no. is the lead guy in the yeah. offense, but he's going to have a lot of carries taken away by him from these guys this season. And you know who else is going to take a lot of carries this year is Jalen Hurts, who we yeah. talked about on free money football. I maybe my favorite prop out of the year is Jalen Hurts over uh, rushing yards for, for, you know, season-long props. But we're talking about fantasy right now. And, <laughs> you know, I just don't love Sanders at where he's being drafted right now. He's shown movement like he's going down. Uh, uh, Gainwell is gaining ADP. So, uh, he's gaining well. Is, yeah, exactly. So is he – a guy who is technically a faller right now, not necessarily, but I think he is going to be over the next couple of weeks as people get into mm-hmm. like the real, you know, bulk of fantasy football season. You look last year, he was pretty productive, but he couldn't stay healthy that much. The numbers weren't mind blowing. He fumbled a decent amount as a receiver. He was actually bad. Like he was. Yeah, he was actually bad. <laughs> he, he was a bad receiver. Like yeah. you, you kind of want that out of your top, fan, well, you know, an RB two in fantasy. So mm-hmm. uh, just all these factors leading to him is a guy who is falling for me. Not technically uh, per ADP right now, but I think when the season comes along, if Sanders settles, you know, by week one as being an ADP of like thirty six to forty, I won't be surprised at all. Yeah, one Eagles reporter said that apparently Miles Sanders and Gainwell, or Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, I apologize, could basically end up splitting touches, which is absolutely terrifying for someone that's going in the third to fifth round, roughly. Fifth would be really generous if you can get him there. Um, But no, I've always hated Miles Sanders. I love Kenneth Gainwell, and last year I was big on the Boston Scott wagon. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not anyone that I want to invest in. Uh, Miles Sanders has been pretty bad in practice lately and Boston Scott is having almost, he's only six touches behind him in the past few days. So really, really, really concerning. Uh, Jordan, hearing all this, were you high on Miles Sanders? Were you, eh, how do you feel now? So I've actually never been high on Miles Sanders. I've never really necessarily dislike the guy per se i've just he strikes me as a guy that's never really put it together you know even coming out of college like the biggest thing about him was he was saquon barkley's backup and that's why he didn't have the huge numbers in college and then with the nfl you know he's been in the league for a couple years now and it just feels like every year there's another reason why he didn't break out he didn't break out and i think at a certain point you got to look and say he may not be a bad running back but he's probably a bad fantasy choice. And now you look at everything going on in Philadelphia. Yes. And I just think everything's working against him. You have Boston Scott, who I think is, I don't see him as a threat to be like a starting running back. He's like a Tariq Cohen. But I was just about to say Tariq Cohen. He's one of those outstanding (laughs) role player guys that, you know, he doesn't do much, but what he does do, he does very well. Um, You have Kenneth Gainwell is going to take touches. I just think, Miles Sanders has not um, solidified himself as a star at any individual aspect where I say that, oh, you know, he'll get this work. Like he could, he may be the best all around back on the team, but I don't think that he's the best at any individual skill set. Yeah. And so they have so many guys that I could see Miles Sanders just sitting on the bench because he's just done, he's just not the best back for this situation. But then that plays out for every situation, whether it's exactly. protection, goal yes. line touches, uh, third down passing, you know what I mean? I just, I think he's the best back on that team. I just don't see him getting the work, you know? 
Yeah, no, he's very average at everything. And then very average at everything. And then to top it all off, you got Jalen Hurts, who's a, a quarterback that can run the ball. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same. Re- if I don't want to draft a Bills running back, I don't. I'm not necessarily going to want to draft a, a, an Eagles running back. At least Gainwell, there's some value built in at his price. That's the that's right. the big difference. Here. Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, moving on. Actually, funny enough, the Eagles opponent week one, uh, the Atlanta Falcons. I've talked a lot about Mike Davis on this podcast, and I'm going to keep talking a lot about Mike Davis because his ADP is falling, and I am so happy about it. But also, I just don't fucking understand why. Like, okay, what have we learned in the past week? We've learned that Quadri Olison, Corderell Patterson, and Javian Hawkins are all looking good in training camp. Oh, great. They're looking good in training camp. Wow, a lot of guys around the NFL are looking good in training camp. Duke Williams looked good in training camp. That doesn't mean literally anything in the preseason. But because one reporter already estimates them all, those three running backs and one hybrid wide receiver at five to eight touches per game, all three of them, he said that they're going to form a committee for the RB2 spot. If they do that, they're getting 15 to 24 touches per game. Hmm. How many touches does that leave for Mike Davis? Almost like nothing. He'd be getting out-touched by the bottom three running backs on the roster, which just doesn't make sense because they're a sophomore fifth-round pick, an undrafted rookie, and a role player who has never been able to find a spot on an NFL offense despite being able to play two positions, apparently. Like, it's just the people he has to compete with don't at all support, one, the ADP he was already at around RB28-ish, and the fact that just in the last three days since this news came out, his ADP is already falling again. So I don't get it. There's there's probably nothing that anyone could say to me that would make me think that, R- that Mike Davis won't be an RB2 this year. The fact that he's being drafted as an RB3 and it's falling now because some nobodies are looking good in training camp and preseason games haven't happened yet. If they look good in preseason, sure. I'll accept that Mike Davis might be seceding touches to these guys. But come on, like RB28 for this dude? And falling doesn't make sense. Meerkat, please tell me my Mike Davis love isn't too outlandish. It's not outlandish. It's I just I'm not a, like I'm not sold on him because you know you look at a guy he got his most carries ever in a season last year at age mm-hmm. 27. It was only yeah. 165. And like, that's the concern I really have, understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mike Davis. He just you haven't seen a ton of him in his career, and now he's getting older. And you know they they do. I know he hasn't done much so far in his career, but they do like Quadriolis, and they they're gonna try to do some stupid shit on offense this year. Guarantees so that's why they have um, Cordell Paris, and yeah. but other than that, you know, I, I think they signed Deontay Foreman today, who I loved coming out of college. Oh no, that was the Texans. Uh, yeah, no, but the, De- they signed him today. Oh, they Texans signed got, him. Texans oh. got rid of him. It doesn't make sense. Deontay Foreman had a great rookie season, and then no touches last year. Okay, no, never mind. So yeah. he's a young, he's a young, talented running back who had a high pick spent on him coming into his third mm-hmm. season. They just signed him. I, if, that, if there's been a drop be today, that could imply a bit. But you know, before that, I, I think he is being disrespected a bit ADP wise. Although I'm not in love with him, I just think he's got a great ceiling because of the exactly. volume he should be getting. And that offense is going to be on the field a lot because the defense can't get off the field. Jordan, uh, Mike Davis, I know we talked about him before, so maybe don't go too in-depth, but how do you feel about him with the concerns of all these other running backs behind him? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I love that his value is falling. I haven't, my exactly. opinion hasn't changed. I mean, I've never been in love with him as a player. I love his situation, though. And people can say, oh, you know, so-and-so is looking That's really fantasy. good. But to pay attention to who's saying that. You know, if a coach says, oh, like, um, Cordero Patterson's looking really good, in the sense of, like, he's going to be a three-down workhorse back, or he's he's going to make a spot as a kick returner. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, or an like, Isaiah McKenzie role. Like, right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, so there's, a lot of play, there's a lot of ways to look good in training camp and preseason. But I just – you know, I mean, we're talking about, oh, they're all going to get five to eight carries. And then, like, you know, you got 24 carries, let's say. Yeah. Would you rather give those to Mike Davis or split it between these three guys? I mean, I, I just – if Mike Davis was in Miles Sanders' situation – yeah. I would say, yeah, stay away from them. Because sure. I think that there are similar running backs that it's like there's not a ton to love about the individual player. But I don't think there's any – I mean, Deontay Foreman, okay. You know, he was – he had a respectable rookie season. I don't think he's a star player, but there is certainly potential there. Um, but he's really the only guy that I look at and say, okay, he's he's a threat. You know, everybody else is sort of their role players, but I don't see them really eating into a massive um, workload. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if it's just because he's a local kid in the bias, though. I, no, I think, yeah. you know, Quadri being a sleeper is very well a thing that could happen this year. They've shelved him the past two seasons. They've mm-hmm. kept him on this team. They put a ton of time and work into getting him there. There was a nice story actually out by ESPN. Uh, was it yesterday, this, maybe, was, about, yeah, him, about how he's relearned the, how the running back position this offseason. Not even that, know, just how to run. Like, yeah, his running, exactly. like how Josh Allen had to work yeah. on his mechanics, he did the same thing. Yeah, exactly, for the pro level. And they, they he's been running consistently with the second-team offense, getting reps with the first team. I'm not saying he's a legitimate threat from Mike Davis this year, but I'm saying Quadriolison can't be disregarded as nothing because we haven't seen him used by them at all the past two years yes. other than a goal-line guy and as a rookie. And he, he scored four touchdowns as a rookie on you know 23 carries. They were so all within like five He's reliable line, there, at least. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, like, I, I do, I like, I do like Quadri as a sleeper. I think both of them can be extreme values of where they're at, but they both can't be in the same season. And Quadri is, is that goal line guy that scares me a bit with Davis. Yeah. Like, they just does have giant ass thighs, but like, you know, Quadri Olison's going to get in there too. Uh, you know, you know, all bets are off. Uh, Jordan, we're going to wrap it up here soon, but I'll let you go one more time. Give us one sleeper, one riser faller, your pick of the litter. Who do you want to talk about to end the show? Uh, well, I brought this guy up uh, last week, and um, I, I liked him, or I don't know if it was last week or, or when I brought him up, but I, I liked him as a sleeper. I liked him as um, somebody that I wanted to draft, and now looks like he's getting surgery, and that is my sweet prince, Will Lutz. I'm the type of guy that I, I like drafting defense and kickers. If I can get a good one, I thought Will Lutz was set up for a, a really solid season. Um, but kicker is one of those positions where a lower body injury surgery this close to the season, I, I, I just I want no part of it for the whole season because it's so likely that that can be it's so easy for kickers to reaggravate lower body yep. issues. And I think he's talented. The situation was looking great, and especially with Jameis, yeah. If he, if Jameis is starting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, he was to me one of those set it and forget it kickers, and now he's almost undraftable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you know what, people, people, people t- shit on kickers for fantasy all the time, but like, you know, most leagues have them. It is genuinely worth talking about, not with in-depth analysis, but to know now that he's getting foot surgery, mm-hmm. 
you don't want to kick her with foot surgery. So, so like, it's definitely, you know, we, we are going to do a defense wins championships episode two. So we're going to touch on defense before we get into the heat of draft season here. Maybe we'll do that next week. Um, but yeah, no kickers and will Lutz. I always wait till the last round and just look for one with a high powered offense. And will Lutz will not be that this year. Cause he's not healthy. Meerkat say some final words for our, our sweet friend, will Lutz. Oh, man, you know, Will Lutz was a reliable guy. It sucks he's getting that surgery, but I'm a I'm a last round kicker guy. You know, I'm I stream kickers a lot, kind of like defenses. But we'll get into that in the defense episode. We will. We definitely will. And I'm sure fantasy football podcasts may be banishing us from fantasy football Reddit and anywhere like that because we brought up a kicker. But you know what? We'll just kick Jordan off the show and everyone else will be fine. Kicker lives matter too. (laughs) Oh, geez. You know what? This is the perfect spot to end the show. Thank you, Jordan, for that natural segue. This has been a new episode of Trainwreck Fantasy Football. Thank you, Jordan, for your time. Thanks again, Meerkat. Thank you, Outlet Liquor. And thank you, everyone, for tuning in.